So the last two weeks, we've been going through our encounter values here. Uh, Mike spoke in the last two weeks about Jesus. He said, when you encounter Jesus, you encounter life. He then went through and we spoke about people. We, we spoke that Jesus came to be the antidote to loneliness. I, this week, get to speak on everybody's favorite value, the value of being real. Unless generosity is actually your favorite because you think we're going to give you free stuff. If that's the case, come back next week and find out. Yes. We actually came up with our values by, we had about 15 of us in a room and we wrote all the things that we value in a church on a, on a whiteboard. And then we gave everyone post-it notes and we asked them to stick kind of their favorite few, five or six or so, um, up against that. And other than Jesus, the one that was hands down, the most, had the most post-it notes was the value of real. People love the idea of being real. They love the idea of a church that is really real, that we're not fake. We don't um, make stuff up. We are who we are and we don't pretend to be anything else. People love it. People come up to Mike and I and they say, oh, we love your values, Jen. We love what you guys are doing here at Encounter. And, you know, it's really interesting. Everybody loves the value of real until you actually have to live it out. Because what we've found is that living out the value of real is actually really hard. And if you're on social media of any kind, you know this to be true. I love the value of real though, because it kind of is who I am. This week, everyone said to me, oh, you're the perfect person to be speaking on real. And I'm not sure what I feel about that, but that's okay. I do love being real. And I, I do believe that... Um, that I have been given a gift of just being way, way too honest. So I want to tell you a couple of stories about my life just to maybe make you feel a little bit better about yours, that kind of thing. So, I, I mean, I am, have been very real since I was a little girl. My mum will say that I always said things that I definitely shouldn't have said. But And I thought as I got older that I had grown a little bit and learned a little bit. But the truth of the matter is the story that I'm going to tell you actually came from about two weeks ago. So I don't think I've actually learned as much as I probably should have. So about two weeks ago, Grace lost her tooth. And she put it underneath her pillow in a little bag and was, went to sleep waiting for the tooth fairy to come. And Mike and I, being amazing parents, we went in there in the night and we took the tooth out and we put money in. No, actually, we didn't do that. We forgot and Mike went in the next morning and found Grace sitting in her bed holding this little bag with her tooth in it, very, very sad. And so Grace came into my room and she was a bit upset. And I said to her, I looked at her with my compassionate, loving eyes. And I said, Grace, you're almost 10. The tooth fairy's not real and you know it. <laughs> and she looked at me with these sad eyes and said, yeah. And I said, well, don't worry, it's okay. Because when you lose your tooth, and you know that the tooth fairy is not real. The first tooth is worth five bucks. So she was happy. No worries at all. She was, yep, that's cool. The tooth fairy is not real. All good. I got five bucks. Doesn't matter. And she went out. About 10 minutes later, Charlie comes running in, super upset. And I thought, oh, gosh, Grace, you've gone and told him. And he comes running up to me and he says, mum, 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 Grace is telling me that the tooth fairy is real. Yeah, you heard that right. He ran up to me and he said, the tooth fairy is real real and I looked at him and I was a little bit like okay where do I go from here and he said mom mom is 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 the tooth very real and I said well Charlie what do you think and he said nah I don't think she's real at all and so I said well I'm not gonna lie to my kid I am real so I said no, you're right Charlie she's not real it's just mom or dad 
and he burst into tears. He was devastated. And I just thought, I can't win. I am trying to be real here with you, kid. Another story, I um, mentor a lot of people and have really enjoyed doing that over the years. But I have a bit of a thing where I will actually say to people, if you want me to mentor you, you have to be willing for me to let you tell, for me to tell you the truth and for me to be honest with you, because that's who I am. I am real. And I do, if you want to grow, I'm going to need to be honest and straight and sometimes really frank with you. And I can tell you that I have had a couple of people that have just said, nah, no thanks to that because really they just wanted somewhere to win. They didn't actually want to be mentored and they, and they couldn't handle the idea of someone being real with them because the truth of the matter is being real isn't easy. It's not easy to be the one dishing out the real truth, but it's also not easy to be the one necessarily hearing that truth as well. We all filter our lives, don't we? I love Instagram, love it. But if I'm going to be honest, I put up some pretty pictures of my children that are pretty awesome. And I'll show you a few of them. The first, this one's Charlie. And this one's Nora and Charlie at Christmas. Then we've got the kids with an Easter bunny at Easter. This is Charlie giving Mike a wonderful card and gift, which is lovely. This is the kids at the disco. This is them uh, about to start their first day of transition in our school. This is their one right before they've gone to see Santa. So they're all dressed up looking beautiful and beautiful cuddles there. This one's Gracie asleep, looking like a little angel. This one, I think they're ready for a wedding. I'm not sure why Charlie has a book or Noah has his sunnies on and a teddy bear, but anyway. And this one here is one just after the bike race down in Prospect where they, I gave them some ice cream. And don't look at the furniture in the back. That's just bad parenting there, but they were enjoying it. So if you would look at all these pictures, you'd think what amazing, beautiful kids I have. And I do have amazing, beautiful kids. But if you look at this, you'd think, oh my gosh, their kids never fight. Look at them hugging each other. They love each other all the time. But if I just want to pause on this picture here with Gracie, this smile that she's got there, that's actually a little smile that's saying, I actually want to take this ice cream and shove it in my brother's face because he just walked under the chair and he whacked me with a knife in my knee. So... Sometimes Instagram isn't real life. I saw this meme and I thought it was just absolutely brilliant. I thought I'd just read it out for those on the podcast. It says, I'm going to start yelling things at the top of my lungs like, I love you and you're awesome to my kids. So the neighbors will know I also say nice things to my kids. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, mums? Yeah. I want to read you a Bible verse today uh, from Matthew 23, 23 to 28. This is Jesus speaking uh, to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Blind Pharisees, firstly, clean the inside of the cup and the dish and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteousness, as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Now, I want to just say something here. 
Jesus went to town on these Pharisees, right? Like he was full on. I don't know about you, but if I started speaking to you that way, I'm pretty sure you'd be upset at me. But the truth of the matter is Jesus knew the Pharisees. So Jesus was a Jewish rabbi and he spent time with the Pharisees. He would have spent time in the synagogues learning and growing and learning the scrolls and the things of, of the Jewish um, life. And so he knew these guys. He wasn't just speaking to random people that he met on the street. But what Jesus knew was that he needed to be real with these Pharisees. He needed to be honest. He needed to tell them exactly what was going on. And he needed to tell them that. So there was a chance that they could be free. So today I want to really speak into that, how Jesus sets us free when we're real with him. The Pharisees, they didn't like it. They did not like being spoken to like that. They didn't like um, that Jesus was telling them these things, which they knew in their spirit was real. They didn't like it so much that they actually killed Jesus for it. He went to the cross because the Pharisees put him there. They were the ones that spoke up and said, this man is blaspheming, that kind of stuff that ended up bringing him to that point of dying on the cross. How often do we try and shut people up with our excuses? You know, when someone says to us, you're doing this wrong and we think, oh, no, well, you know, I'm not as bad as that person. Or, you know, I give my money over here or, you know, oh, I, I deserve this or I deserve that. We are very quick, aren't we, to make excuses as to why we're doing stuff. And I think the Pharisees would have been like that, too. You know, being real isn't easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. But without Jesus being real, the Pharisees could never have been set free. Early on, we heard from Alicia and she read from John 8, 1 to 11. And, and that we hear the story of the lady who was, um, who was committing adultery and was brought by the Pharisees to Jesus. And they said, they said, Jesus, you know, this lady's been caught in adultery. She deserves sin, she deserves death, essentially. So what are you going to do about it? And Jesus knew that's what they were trying to say. And Jesus bent down on the ground. He drew a line and he said to them, let those who are without sin cast the first stone. And the Pharisees, they left and they walked away because they knew they weren't perfect. And Jesus stood up and he said to the lady, and we hear, we see in, um, in, in verse 11 here, he says to her, who condemns you? And she said, no one, sir. And he said, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. I find that really interesting. Jesus saved her first, right? He sa firstly, he saved her from the Pharisees. She wasn't going to be stoned for her life. Now, he, Jesus knew that at that point, you know, they're not going to come back and stone her. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus knew that she wasn't actually free. Yes, she wasn't going to die from being stoned, but she wasn't free, not really set free. And so that's why he says this last line that's really important that we remember this. Go now and leave your life of sin. Because he knew that unless she left her life of, of sin, she would never be free. Jesus was, Jesus never, he loved this girl and he never thought about stoning her or, you know, anything like that. But he knew that the truth of the matter was that that stoning was only part of the story. Jesus knew that she needed to be set free from her sin. Many of us think Jesus is going to stone us. But can I tell you, he didn't pick up a stone. He didn't even think about picking up a stone. 
The truth of the matter is Jesus doesn't condemn us. He frees us. That's what grace is all about. Some of, for some of us, we think we don't even want to say what we're doing or that kind of thing because, you know, we'll be condemned. We'll be looked down upon. And the truth of the matter is Jesus sees you. He sees everything that's going on in your life. He sees those things that you're hiding. He sees those things that you'd rather everybody else not know. He knows that you're having problems in your marriage. He knows what goes on behind your computer screen. He knows how you're feeling. He knows about depression and anxiety. He sees all those things in you that's going on. But Jesus doesn't condemn you. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to set you free from those burdens. That's why he came to die on the cross. Being real is the first step in being free. It's being real with Jesus. But the second step is being real with someone else. We at Encounter, we want to see the real you. We want to see the best you. We want to say it's, it's okay to not be okay. We're here. But in love, let's change and let's grow together. Let's be real together. If we want to be a church that is really real, then it starts with us. Yes. It starts with us being real with Jesus and us being real with each other. Yeah. The church that I see is one that when someone comes down, comes down the front or someone puts their hand up for prayer, we don't look around and think, oh, there must be something horribly wrong with their life. We look around and we cheer them on because we are seeing them get yes. set free in the name of Jesus because that is the life that Jesus wants us to live. That is the life that he has planned for you and I, a free life, not one hindered and not one held back by the things of this world that are separating you from Jesus. When we are real we are set free. I don't live a perfect life by any means. I struggle just like you. Sometimes people put pastors on pedestals, but can I tell you that we are real people. We are exactly the same as you. But the truth of the matter is I do live a free life because over the years I have learned to take things to Jesus. I have people that I can be accountable with, that I share my life with, that, that walk through things with me. There has been a time in my life where I was dealing with depression and I was dealing with an eating disorder. And I walked through that with a counsellor for a really long time. And that was really healthy. I believe there is um, counsellors and psychologists and things like that, can, that can walk you through stuff. But what I, what I did as well is I went to Jesus. I went to Jesus and I asked him to heal me. And he did. And it was a process. I have seen people completely healed of depression um, through prayer and through ministry in an instant. But I've also seen people healed through depression and anxiety and things like that by walking through it daily with Jesus. So for me personally, I had to go to Jesus every day and I laid down my life before him and I asked him for healing. And I went and I learned the word of God and I learned the truth about my life because the truth will set you free. And so I learned that I am beautifully and wonderfully made. I learned that I am loved, that I have been died for, that I am worthy of the freedom and the forgiveness and the joy and the hope that comes from a relationship with Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I guess one of the things that I do know in my life is that I actually care more about what God thinks of me than I care what you think of me. So, good. so the truth of the matter is, 
I care about you and I care in some ways what you think. But I would care more about Jesus setting me free than I would that if you think that I am not perfect. So practically being real means saying when we're not okay. It means sharing and celebrating our wins as well. When things go well, we want to celebrate with you. We want to praise Jesus with you. We want to do that that with you, you and your family. It means speaking up when someone is doing the wrong thing or heading for a brick wall as well. I don't want to see a church where people just let things go because, well, the whole world is doing it. So why can't we? Jesus came to set us free to be more like him. And sometimes it's completely different from the world. It means firstly going to God and admitting that we're not perfect and we need his abundant grace. Like we heard in the story of the woman who was going to be stoned, Jesus showed her grace and forgiveness and freedom. And he wants to show that to you today as well. Then it means telling someone we trust. It means getting prayer and help. It's all well and good to put your hand up and say you've got a problem. But get prayer. Get someone to walk alongside you. Come before Jesus and be real with people. It means giving it to God and asking his Holy Spirit to to fill us and set us free. When the Holy Spirit comes and it fills you and touches you, I can tell you that you will be free. That there is nothing quite like when the Holy Spirit moves in your life. And the first step of that is saying yes to Jesus. Saying, yes, I want him. I want to be free. Let your guard down and stop living for yourself. Lift your hands in surrender to God. Let him shape you. I can tell you that living for Jesus is so much better than living for the world. I want to pray today for people who need to be real, when you know you need to be set free. I want to pray for you. If you never, ever, ever put your hand up, but you know that you need to. You know that you need to lay your life down before God again. You know that you need to be set free. When I was preaching this sermon, I felt the Lord, or when I was preparing it, sorry, I felt the Lord saying that there is someone in this room who is struggling with pornography. And we have a God who doesn't want to leave you in that, who wants to set you free from that. And the first step is admitting it and then going to God and allowing him to help you and sharing that with somebody. So we're going to pray for you, but we also practically want to walk with you in this. So if you came with someone and you feel more comfortable talking with them about it, please talk to them about it. Hiding, hiding things will never, ever set you free. I want to finish on this verse from Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. When your mind is governed by Jesus, by the spirit, then your life can be full of peace and you can really be free. There are some of you here that are struggling to find that peace. And can I tell you the first step is allowing the spirit to govern your mind. Coming before Jesus and receiving his forgiveness and his grace and his healing. So as we finish up and as the band comes up, 
I want to pray for you. And I really pray that if this message has touched you and you just, you know, you want to be set free from those things that are holding you back, holding you back in your relationship with Jesus or holding you back in your life. Can I encourage you to come forward in worship? Can I encourage you to reach out to the person next to you? Because in this church, we do real, we do honest, even if that's hard. So let me pray. Dear Jesus, Father God, I just pray that you will come upon people right now where they're at. Lord, that you will minister to them. That, Father, they will know that they are forgiven and they are set free. Lord, that they can be made whole in your eyes and in their life, Lord God. Father, I pray for freedom from addiction. I pray for freedom from depression, from anxiety. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will be moving so powerfully now as we come and as we minister. Father, I pray that you will move and you will transform and we will know that a life with you is a life worth living. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done on that cross and I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.